this Friday, February 10th, I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Super Bowl is here. And the NFL awards are announced. Here comes the Vegas Troop. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. MVPs, Hall of Fame class, the NFL announces all their award winners. Trade deadline comes and goes in the NBA. How did the title odds shake up? And the Super Bowl is going to be played this week. And I don't know if you knew that, but let's let's start with the NFL as this is the Friday before the final game it's on of Saturday, the season. Right? On Saturday this year? Super Bowl Saturday this year. Yeah, yeah first okay. time ever, I think, is what I've <laughs> what's what I've been heard I've been hearing. I don't know if it's true, but we'll see. I, I'm, I'm still, gonna be ready I'm, both days. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm ready for it. I'm still bothered though, and, and this is something that I've been I've been arguing for this for years. And I thought that when the NFL went to the extra week and the eighteen game schedule, that we were finally going to get my dream. My dream of having the Super Two Bowl Two chicks played. at the same time. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's an incredible reference. <laughs> uh, it's office space. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I do in a million dollars? <laughs> Two chicks Two at the chicks same, at same time. time. <laughs> well, well, I figured for a million dollars, I can make that happen. <laughs> Uh, hey, turn on Channel 9. You gotta see this. <laughs> right. Great movie. So, Inflation, man. 1995, million dollars. It was a lot. lot. Yeah, I'd be like, that'd be, probably be like 15 million. You're right. Nah, Something I mean, like that. Invested it wisely. Yeah. It's a vastly underrated movie, by the way. What I'm trying to get Classic. at, what I'm trying to get at here is that the Super Bowl should always be played on the Sunday before President's Day. And this way, everyone has off the Monday after the Super Bowl. There's been a lot of people saying we need to replace Columbus Day. Because Columbus is a bad guy now, a colonizer. We need to replace that day with Super Bowl Monday. I'm open to that. I don't care about Christopher Columbus. Like, yeah, I, but Columbus Day is in October. I'm just saying, to make it where Columbus Day is no longer a, a bank holiday. And just make the bank and holiday. And make it other. now the day after or the Super Bowl. you could push the NFL season back one week or and have the Super Bowl the Sunday before President's Day. Literally, we're talking about one week. Being pushed back. And you know how you solve that issue? You just give every team a second bye. It's so smart. Passionate about this. It just it's just like I don't I don't understand how the NFL doesn't like hey, guess what? Another week of football, another week to add to that TV package that you're selling? It's who says no? It's actually not a bad idea. And then everyone gets off the Monday after the Super Bowl because it's President's Day. But I digress. The Super Bowl is played this Sunday, February 12th. And then people will have to go to work on Monday the 13th. Boo work. Yeah, boo work. Boo earns, they were saying. (laughs) 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 Oh, we're off to a great start. Let's talk about the NFL Honors Awards show. The awards were handed out. Congratulations to all those who cashed their futures tickets on the awards. Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP. Guys, I don't think there was any doubt that he was going to be the most valuable player. Uh, Yeah, this was – you could see it coming from quite a ways away. Uh, He was the – I guess he was the co-favorite early in – or at least it opened. I'd say when the season started, he was second favorite behind Josh Allen. 
when did it flip, McKenzie? When did, did Patrick Mahomes become favored in this race? Well, Open February 2022, one year ago, they were both plus 750. Josh Allen opened the season, though. There was a lot of buzz that the Bills were going to be great. They were pretty good. He opened at plus 675 opening day. Uh, November, he, was the, he flipped the favorite, plus 150. But it was interesting. He actually became the dog again. Jalen Hurts in December was a minus 150 favorite. But uh, by late December, he was minus 800. We all know what was going to happen. Yeah, this was a kind of like it's been for a while now. A uh, We've known that this was where it was going. So congrats to Patrick Mahomes. His he's, second uh, he's, MVP award. He's got a uh, he's got a I don't want to say it's a it's a tough hill to climb, but history is not on his side. The last nine his history started in 1999. Yes. The last <laughs> nine NFL regular season MVPs to play in the Super Bowl have all lost the Super Bowl. This goes well, it back- makes sense. You don't want the best player in the biggest game. <laughs> this goes back. <laughs> the last time a, an NFL regular season MVP won the Super Bowl was 1999 Kurt Warner. In 2001, Kurt Warner lost the Super Bowl. 2002, Rich Gannon. 05, Sean Alexander. 07, Tom Brady. 2009 and 2013, Peyton Manning, 2015, Cam Newton, 2016, Matt Ryan, and 2017, Tom Brady. All of those regular season MVPs lost the Super Bowl. Mahomes will look to snap that streak. You changing your mind on who's going to win then? No. Okay, me neither. I, I'm, I'm still convinced that this is – that's. Isn't it interesting, though, that we haven't had a regular season MVP play in the Super Bowl since 2017? Matt Ryan was the last one? No, Tom Brady, oh, Tom Brady 2017. after, okay. We've gone yeah. 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Five years without having the regular season MVP play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's been a good while. Uh, that is that is surprising. But, uh, well, especially because I would have thought at some point Tom Brady would have won yet another MVP. Only uh, three MVPs. I guess he's not the greatest of all time. I guess not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a bum. He's tried harder in the regular season. Exactly. Uh Let's let's take a look at the other awards that were given out. Maybe some we were maybe maybe a little more surprising. Uh, AP Offensive Player of the Year goes to Justin Jefferson. I, have they made that like the non-quarterback award? Is that how they're doing yeah, it these days? That's, at least that's what it should be because it, sh- it the the most valuable player award almost always goes to a quarterback, and the Offensive Player of the Year is like the MVP that put up incredible numbers, but is still not the most important position on the team. I'd like to say it's, yeah, it's got to be the best non-quarterback. Now, there's times where it is the quarterback, right? The same player that wins the MVP. But I like it better this way. I like it better this way. It's kind of like the Cy Young Award versus the MVP Award. And, yes, it's happened in the same year where Cy Young Award winners have won the MVP. But it's usually like, hey, listen, the Cy Young goes to the pitcher, so the MVP goes to, like, an offensive player. So in November, Jalen Hurts was plus 300 favorite to win Offensive Player of the Year. Justin Jefferson was only 8-1. to See, and Jalen Hurts is a weird exception because his, like, his traditional quarterbacking numbers are going to they're gonna be nowhere near the numbers mm-hmm. that it would take to win an MVP, like the, that you'd see Patrick Mahomes or, or even like Josh Allen putting up. But it, Offensive Player, it, I don't know what the distinction is exactly, but it, there's clearly a distinction. It's kind of like you don't get a touchdown for passing a touchdown. It's like not your touchdown. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's like you are good you, job. You're contributing to the yeah, offense. Right. It's just uh, that's not your touchdown. Yeah. Uh, but either way, congrats to Justin Jefferson. AP Defensive Player of the Year goes to Nick Bosa of San Francisco. AP Coach of the Year 
Brian Dayballs of Steel. Brian Dayball. Little, this one is surprising because Nick Sirianni was the favorite all season long, essentially. Right, Mac? Like, he, he was the guy that everyone talked about. And then I think what happened was when, when Hertz went down and they lost those, you know, they lost and people soured on them. Whereas the Giants at the end of the year won football games, put themselves in a position to make the playoffs. And I know it's only a regular season award, but I do think that people get influenced by what they've seen lately as opposed to what they saw earlier in the season. So the fact that the Giants did what they did getting into the playoffs, the improvement that they saw from last year, the improvement of Daniel Jones, it's the reason why Dayball wins the award. It's also the reason why Nick Sirianni was not a finalist despite being the favorite all season long. And Kyle Shanahan was a finalist because let's be honest here. If Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't get hurt and the 49ers have the same exact finish to the regular season, Kyle Shanahan doesn't get nominated to no. be the coach of the year. Even but, though technically Kyle, or, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was their backup quarterback. Still, it doesn't but, matter. Yeah. But the fact that Garoppolo goes down and you win the final five games of the regular season in convincing fashion with Brock Purdy putting up the best numbers of any quarterback in the league in those five games, that garnered Kyle Shanahan as coach of the year finalist, but not enough to give him the win in the award over Brian Dable. It's dumb. Nick Sirianni is so much better than Brian Dable. Like, think about it. In November, Jalen Hurts was the, fa- the favorite to win offensive player of the year, and Nick Sirianni was you know, what, minus 160 to be yeah. coach of the year. What, what have they, where have they faltered exactly? They, they lost two games. They can't lose two games. They were the number one seed. Well, by like the they, way, they, they were like, and they came out of nowhere. They were over under nine and a half. I mean, obviously, I wish Kyle Shanahan would have won it. I thought he did a great job. I thought he does a pretty good job every year. But yeah, Brian Dayball, wow, that's, that really surprised me. I think this is just a this is an inefficiency. It's in, New York. In, oh, I forgot. It's it's because it's come on. There mm-hmm. is an inefficiency. There's a lot more voters that live around New York in the market when it comes to these things because it's what do what's the betting conglomerate believe should happen, and then now we put this vote in the hands of fifty people. And what they think could be totally different. Like yeah. it's a, like we are Fair not point. a good representation of what these sports writers are looking for, apparently. Which is why you can't follow the market when it comes to no, things like this. Because don't I mean, yeah, it, it, maybe there's opportunities because of, of course there are. But there, I, there's a lot of people that there's are, a straw are, poll in the NBA. Listen, there's MVP. there's a lot of people you, that you are should just bet it every year. Yes, apparently. there's a lot of people that are past posting last night on Twitter about their wins on on what they got on some of these awards. So yeah. there are places to – there are opportunities to take advantage of the market. I, I do think – and the reason why – you know, I don't really know who should have won Coach of the Year. I think you can make a good argument for a couple of these guys. But, uh, but Brian Dayball, I think given what this team was last year, mm-hmm. what they became this year, yep. what's changed? Brian Dayball. Like, yeah. it, like it's it was clearly a massive switch culture in culture. Change. Yes. Yeah, and this is just a – it's a much different team now than it was a year ago, and I think Brian Dayball is the big reason why. So I, I understand it. AP assistant coach of the year, 49ers DC, D'Amico Ryans. No now argument. Texans head coach, D'Amico Ryans. I don't think you'll get an argument from many there's, people there's there. There's no argument there. Wait, on the Giants, though, the Giants weren't good. Like, the Giants <laughs> were, like, the 20th best team by, like, every – Metric. But they Except still, the Giants. They made, happen to win like 10 games. They're and, expected and to win seven and a half. But the Giants made the playoffs with a team that was like dead last year. Like How good is your team? That's what we, should be the major. You're trying to make them good. I mean, it's good that they made the playoffs. That's the goal. But, but again, they didn't make them good. This is the Make same sure way, made a great team out of nowhere. This is the same, re, the same difference 
that you're talking about is what, like when Fez sees CBS Sports post their power ratings, week nine power rankings, and Minnesota's number one. They've only lost one game, and Fez is like, what? How can this be? They're not that good. They're but very not good. They're when very they're, much so not good. When they're eight and one, like to, to some 55-year-old sports writer, what they do against the spread doesn't matter. Are they winning football games? They won, what, 10? They won 11? They got blown out in the final game of the season because they didn't have, have to try. Like, they didn't do that well. And then they lost in the playoffs. I, I well, the, remember, the, the playoffs, playoffs don't count. That's true. But, so, uh, I mean, but relative to preseason expectations, you can't say that the Giants didn't exceed those expectations. Yes, by like two and a half games. The Here, Eagles did by like four and a half games. Here's what's interesting to me. Why didn't Pete Carroll get any consideration? Yeah. Like, the Seahawks made yeah, the playoffs, yeah. and they were – I mean, that was a – like. It, I won't even say was. That is a pretty talentless roster. Yeah. And he, he peaked at twelve to one in early November, and they were six and three. But he wasn't a finalist, right? No, no, no. It was uh, it was Dable, it was Shanahan, and Doug Peterson. Yeah, I mean, Doug Peterson's not a bad one either because that's again, it was I, to go from having the number one pick in the draft two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson shows up and you make the playoffs. You win your crappy division. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see a case for all like these the guys. Best team. They were pretty good. Yeah, I, c- I could see a case for any of the three finalists. I, Can I, we talk about the biggest? See a case for Sirianni. To Can be we talk honest. about the biggest robbery of the night, please? Jack Gino's, Prescott, Walter Payton, NFL Man, man of, of the Year. Gino, <laughs> Gino such a disappointment. Smith. Gino Smith winning <laughs> Comeback Player of the Year is the biggest joke of this award season. <laughs> Because it's a dumb award. Because all Geno Smith came <laughs> back from was being Geno Smith. People get so mad about this every year. It's like, what the the verbiage of it is? Come back from injury. No, because then it would be the comeback from an injury award. That's what the comeback. This isn't like, the most improved. Did anyone have to award. like go to war or something? In, listen, <laughs> like, what in, are we talking about? In the NBA, the NBA has the most improved player award. Okay, and if this award was called the most improved player, then Geno Smith wins this award, right? If this was most improved player, he yes. wins. Yes. But comeback player of the year is supposed to be an award given to somebody that came back from some kind of <laughs> adversity. <laughs> and you look at uh, Christian McCaffrey came back from injury. Other players came back from season-ending injuries. Daniel Jones would have been a candidate for comeback player of the year. That's the guy who so I picked who, who preseason. The NFL words it like this. The... <laughs> It, it, this is a uh, an award given to a player who has shown perseverance uh, and in in overcoming adversity in the form of not being in the NFL the previous year, okay, a serious injury, okay, or simply poor performance. Well, you know what they're really saying by giving Geno Smith the award, the dude. You sucked. Yeah. I know, right? It's dumb. <laughs> that, that, that's what they're telling you. Question, like, he when, was on the bench, and he I think it was 2-0 last this, year. This award's a joke anyway. Remember Alex Smith, and listen, Alex Smith coming back from the injury he came back from is impressive. When Alex Smith that's came back. That's in the spirit of the award, When though. Alex Smith came back, he sucked. Doesn't matter. Like, oh, that's, but you still got out of him played. Like, that's the spirit of the award. I thought that was egregious. This is more egregious, in my opinion. I, I, but at least, so I'm weird. telling you, at least that's Honestly, the they should just get of rid of the award. <laughs> because every year, it's like, how the how the hell is this guy the comeback player? Like, when's the last time we all looked at the comeback player and went, yep, that's the guy. How do, I, that's also, who it was supposed who to be. Who comeback player of the year? Saquon, no, no Saquon Barkley should have won this award. Saquon Barkley, who yeah, would deal, d- deals with injuries all the time, didn't miss a single game this year and leads the Giants to the playoffs. That's a congrats, your, your healthy year. award. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's comeback. 
come back from injury, not come back from being a bench player. You know what that means? That just means that you were a bad player last year. You had a good Does season this year. Does any other league have this award? No. I don't think so. It's called the most improved player. <laughs> yeah. The NBA has it. I think they should get rid of this award altogether. No, one most There's... improved player in baseball. I swung. There's, yeah, there's no good answer for this. So I, I'm I'm against this award in general. I think it should be banished, outlawed. Let's just get rid of it. <laughs> and the Rookie of the Year awards. Oh, it's called another the Jets, robbery. It's called, yeah. it's called the Jet Sweep. Scott's excited about this. Jet sweep. It's, it's a called, big day for Scott. It's called yeah. it's called the Jet Sweep. Sauce Gardner wins the Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Garrett Wilson wins the Offensive Rookie of the Year, which I think is the most impressive thing ever. It is kind of crazy that everyone says the Jets had a great draft, and they actually had, like, a great draft. Like, we never get that right, but in, indeed. You know, it's amazing, and 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 I, I want to take credit for this, because before the season started, when I gave out on the Dream Preview, the Jets over in their win total. Did they even go over? I guess they did. They won seven games. Was because of, yeah, it was five and a half. And it was because I mentioned the draft where they got four players that were going to start for them immediately and have serious contributions. And for a while, Brees Hall was the runaway favorite to win this award. He gets hurt. And then Garrett Wilson has a great finish to the season, which I think is so darn impressive because the Jets didn't have a quarterback. Yeah, I feel my what a couple of games of uh, Mike White will do for you. And listen, I'm not trying to take anything away from Garrett Wilson, who I think was he had a fantastic rookie year. I think Kenneth Walker uh, for Seattle or Brock Purdy, those are the guys to Brock me. Purdy only played five games, though. How do you be the rookie of the year? You only played, played six. He, he played five and three quarters. Yeah, he, but he had he more of an, all of them. He had more of an impact in those games than Garrett Wilson had all season. I mean, he was a quarterback who he won as many games. Brock Purdy had as many wins this season, regular season and postseason, as Kenny Pickett, who started the whole freaking season. So, to me, Brock Purdy, like I, I think he's got probably the best argument. But I thought Kenneth Walker had a pretty like until Brees Hall got hurt. Once Brees Hall got hurt, I mean, it certainly swung to Kenneth Walker, and he continued to have a good season. So Garrett Wilson finished. 15th in receiving yardage in the NFL this year. Who do you think was favored? That's impressive. October 4th. For a rookie. It is impressive uh, for a rookie. You, uh, you guys wouldn't get it in, in five guesses. Chris Olave was the favorite by far. Chris Olave was balling out early but, in the season. Oh, long season. I forgot about Chris yeah. Olave. I saw, a, he was, uh, I saw on Twitter last night, you know, like the one of the, the, the gambling companies tweeted out a picture of uh, somebody had a parlay with all of the awards. And it was $3 to win a million dollars. And they hit every award except for Offensive Rookie of the Year. They bet Chris Olave. They hit every other award. If only Jameis Winston would have played, he would have thrown the ball. Fez said, that's a dumbo play. You should have just bet each one individually. (laughs) Uh, Could have been 9-1. Now, to the mustard-colored jacket segment of the show, Another jet sweep. I, we had a fun time when we did the the hall like when they announced the finalists, we sat here and we both wrote down our lists mm-hmm. and we both had one lock, surefire lock, and Joe it Thomas. was Joe Thomas. Yep. Joe Thomas is in. The rest, uh we, I think we t- we discussed all of these guys. One guy I know you were higher on than me. Uh but Zach Thomas gets in, Demarcus Ware gets in. Daryl Rivas gets in, and Rondé Barber, the guy that you liked, yep. uh, gets in as well. So, I, again, I think this year, last year's class was kind of, I, I, no offense, last year's class kind of stunk. Like, it wasn't a very exciting class. I, 
and I don't know if this is considered exciting. There's no skill position players. Like these are, it's an offensive lineman and four defensive players. It's not a sexy class. Yeah. But I think it's a very deserving class. Was there any of your guys that you picked on your list that didn't make it? Yes, Jared Allen. Okay, and I had Dwight Freeney. Yeah. That didn't make it. Yeah, and we knew with Jared Allen, Dwight Freeney, Demarcus Ware, there was going to be, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was unlightly all three were going to make it. We both had Demarcus Ware, though. And then no wide receivers make it. We were kicking around all the wide receiver possibilities. None of them make it. Yeah, Andre Johnson maybe, yeah. Yep. Uh, So, interesting. And then... On the uh, the old timers list, Don Coriel makes it. Chuck Howley, Ken Riley, and Joe Klecko. That I is a 2023 Klecko. Hall of Fame class. It's about time that Joe Klecko gets into the Hall. of Fame. Damn right. I, I mean, Scott's been wearing a Joe Klecko for the Hall of Fame shirt for like the last three years. I've and been playing now. Listen, I've been playing softball with his son for years. Okay, Klecko's. You know, uh, you know he's, a, he's a local local Marlboro guy um, in Jer- <laughs> you know, in Jersey. Uh, and, and it, you know, he had one son that won a couple of Super Bowls. Yep. He had another one that, uh, you know, they played softball. Yeah, exactly. But I wonder which one he's more proud of. Yeah. <laughs> but Joe Klecko, a member of the sack exchange, like one of the best defensive linemen in the history of the game. I, I, I don't know. I just, to me, there were so many years that he was kicked around as possibly getting into the hall of fame and then just getting passed over and passed over and passed over, um, you know, He's part of the Jets' ring of honor. I'll be honest. Tired jerseys. I think there's some of these guys that it makes more sense that they get in this way, like the veterans' way. Mm -hmm. Like Drew Pearson a couple years ago was another good example of a guy who it it never felt like when Drew Pearson was on the ballot that Drew Pearson should be in the Hall of Fame. But then after his eligibility's up, it's like, why not throw him in there? You know, it's not keeping anybody else out. Why throw the guy a bone? You know. Like, I think I'm big on every year. It should be the it should be five the five most deserving guys. And if you happen to hover in that seventh to eighth most deserving your entire you know eligibility period, okay, that sucks. But go ahead and throw them a bone if you can with the veterans committee. I I like it. So also, like, what year did sacks become an official stat? Because it put McKenzie on the spot there. He has no idea. 1982. So think about that. Sacks didn't become an official stat since 1982. Were you born yet? No, not yet. I was about a year and a half away. Uh, But Klecko. I was, in your face. Klecko came into the league in 1977. And part of that Jets defensive front, known as the New York Sack Exchange, in 1981, they— dominated the NFL, sacking the quarterbacks. The league didn't make it an official stat until the following year. They were the reason why the NFL made the sack an official stat. That guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Well, Deacon Jones had like – if you talk about pre-1982 sacks, Deacon Jones like sacked everybody every play. Maybe he didn't get any sacks before 1982. You weren't there. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. But Marty Lyons is in the Hall of Fame. No, Marty Lyons is in the College Football Hall of Fame, not in the regular Hall of Fame. But um, listen, Marty Lyons, Mark Gastineau, and and Joe Klecko, Jets legends. You know what? I take that back. I know exactly how many sacks they had. Apparently, they, they retroactively did it. But he had eight, eight, seven, ten and a half, 20 and a half in 1981, and then two. But all right, it's in the Hall of Fame. 20 and a half? Yeah. Good. Beast. It's probably a record back then before Strahan. Yeah. Uh, it, it was up there, I'm sure. Yeah. Then no. six and a half, three, seven and a half. Well, the, Al, Al Baker, the guy, he's the guy who, like, pre-Strahan, he was in the in the 70s, he had, they say, 23 sacks in a year. 
So sorry, Michael Strahan, you're not the real <laughs> sacks leader, but I, I don't know. Does, does the fact that the Jets have two legends in the Hall of Fame now mean that the Jets will be in the Hall of Fame game this year? We were talking about this pre-production. There's 32 teams, mm -hmm. two play in the bowl, so that's one in 16 chance. And you're saying it's better than 50-50 odds. Yeah, I do. I would place a bet on it right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They've got, in fact, I'm booking, I wanted to, I'm, I wanted I'm booking my trip. I'm booking my trip. Between yeah. Revis and Klecko both like going in yeah. as Jets, it, it would it makes sense for them to be involved in the game. Is that like a, an honor or something, playing in the Hall of Fame game? Is that like an You got an extra preseason game. How Is about that good how about or bad? the trip, but if— You think the Ravens uh, want an extra preseason I'll, game? I'll pay, I'll pay for it if, it if it is the Jets. And if it's not the Jets, I get to go. I don't know. It's, too, it's convoluted, but I think it's a good <laughs> bet. I think it's a good bet. So I book the trip, and then if the Jets are in the game, you pay for the trip. Right. If the Jets are not in the game, you switch I your pay ticket for to the his trip, name. but you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. Canton. So you guys are betting a trip to Canton, Ohio. Canton, Ohio. Ohio. Have you ever been there? I've never been to Canton, Ohio. Me neither. It's good. I, RJ and Fez are the Ohio guys. They tell you if this is a good bet or not. <laughs> like, like, why are you punishing yourself going yeah. to Ohio? <laughs> Uh, I'd rather go to the College Football Hall of Fame in, in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, a lot of places I'd rather go than Ohio, I'll be honest. No offense to uh, our Ohio listeners. but So there you have it. That's a, uh, a wrap of the NFL Awards. What did Joakim Noah say? No, I've never heard of him vacationing in Cleveland. Yeah, that is an odd choice. <laughs> All right, let's get to the Super Bowl game itself. Uh, we've been, I mean, listen, we've talked about it quite a bit. If you want a deep dive into our thoughts on it, uh, RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed. The the pod we did Wednesday night into Thursday morning is up and available. We gave our sides. We gave our uh, our our. I, I guess our like I gave a first uh, second quarter total. Like we gave all our uh, derivative totals, and then we gave a bunch of player props. Uh, is there anything that's changed in you know this week, in your opinion, either of you? Do you on think the, the MVP Bowl. actually hurts? You think? I mean, it's when an zero and nine trend. No, the MVP was Mahomes, not Hurts. Yeah. The thing about that trend is it's it's three and it's zero and nine, but it's also three and nine because Favre, Davis, and uh, and Warner and Warner all won, won right in a row, right before. So you could yeah. say before this trend it was three <laughs> three yeah. straight. You know. Uh, also, I mean, look at you look at those MVPs that lost, right? And you want to say. What did Matt Ryan do to lose that game? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> did he? Everything possible? Did fumbled he? it. He barely got touched. He fumbled the ball. Uh, he took a sack with 45 seconds left. All you have to do is throw it anywhere. Yeah, I'd argue when you blow a 28 to three lead, the defense has something to do with that. I'd say. I think this year, especially allowing, proven, especially allowing when you go three two. and out every single time, you can lose almost any lead. They also. They he also, lost a 38 point lead. Yeah, but he wasn't on. The, he wasn't on the field giving up two two point conversions. Well, he wasn't on the field <laughs> getting first downs and either. This is why Brock Purdy should. Offensive rookie of the year because most a quarterback is like fifty percent of a team. I think you know stats wise, thirty five percent I think is average. Even if Brock Purdy was twenty percent of the 49ers success, he had more wins added than any other rookie by far. Wide receiver, whether well, worth a point to the line if they're good, mm. he won so much. Should have won it anyway. And it's easy in hindsight to look at the playoff game and look what the 49ers looked like when Brock Purdy was out was gone. It's like got to do a lot as a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yep, no doubt. So Kurt Warner losing, you know, when he lost. He, he did everything he could to put us to, to give. They, they scored late, and then just Brady yeah. put him in field goal range. Like well, you, you when know. you play Tom Brady, like good luck. Like it, it doesn't really. Brady, Tom Brady Bra wasn't Brady back. Brady then. versus the Eagles. Tom Brady. Up, what, Tom Brady became Brady. Yeah, you know. Yeah, same thing. Brady versus the Eagles. It's like 
all right, Philly, Philly, and 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 that's the difference in the game. So, yeah, Foles threw a pick. He, Brady didn't throw a pick in that game. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that it has anything to do uh, with anything. I think Mahomes is still probably thinking about the Super Bowl loss and wants to avenge that, to be honest with you. Are, is, are there any, in the last 48 hours, any props you guys have seen that, that jump out at you? Like, I, I've been, since we did that pod with Fez, I've been digging into the, some of these kicker props. Yeah. Uh, and Me too. It really does, like, you can get uh, Butker to outscore uh, Elliott. I just bet that. Okay. Funny you mentioned that. Yeah, and what'd you get, minus 125, something like that, 120? Yes, I got minus 125. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been looking at the same stuff. No, (laughs) clearly we're we're eyeballing the same things. So uh, that's something that I'll probably end up being on. Um, It's a – just hearing Fez talk about it, the more it makes sense that – it, if there's a team that's going to settle for threes, it's going to be the Chiefs and the Eagles, are, and probably rightfully so. If you're the team with the less explosive type offense, you don't want to be settling for threes. You know you need touchdowns to beat Patrick Mahomes. You I think it's a new play that works on every third and fourth and one. They're not, yeah, they're not yeah, punting, yeah, no doubt. They're not kicking. It's um, as possible. They probably go for two a couple times. And and the more I've looked into this, the the Jarek McKinnon like. The fact that this number is still at five and a half touch or five and a half uh, rushing attempts for Jarek McKinnon is insane to me. Uh, and the Boston Scott carries as well. Don't make any sense. Boston Scott, longest rush, doesn't make any sense. Like the third running backs, how often are, is the third running back in a game in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl? How often is he getting more than a touch? Yeah. Two touches. Uh, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. No, I think he's a goal line guy, so you got to be, you know, watch out for that. Well, that's but. why I like the idea of for, for Boston Scott, particularly. Longest rush under. Yes. Like, when will he be in the game unless it's the one-yard line? Like, there's no point in putting him in the game unless he's on the one-yard line. And what's the number now? Uh, It was eight and a half. Under. Yeah, yeah, I know, or maybe seven and a half now. Uh, McKinnon's is eight and a half. That's the one. I like the under on McKinnon, too, eight and a half longest rush. Uh, But I also like under five and a half rush attempts for McKinnon because I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire being back cuts into his workload. Uh, And even if it doesn't, Isaiah Pacheco has proven to be so much better mm-hmm. in the key moments. Like the thought was two weeks ago, oh, is uh, is Andy Reid going to trust having a rookie out there? Yes, yeah. he does. He trusts a rookie who is averaging like five yards a carry over the last five games over a veteran who's averaging like 1.4 yards per carry over the last five games. I wanted to go makes over, a lot of sense. I wanted to go over game leaders with you guys and see who you like. To, for these bets, okay? Because you can bet on the game leaders. So the first is most receiving yards. Travis Kelsey is the favorite at plus 140. That's the answer. A.J. Brown's the second favorite at plus 280. And then everyone else is obviously much longer odds. I bet it, under on A.J. Brown, by the way. Just because, okay. we, as we talked, like, again, talking with Fez about it, it, it seems like the the most, the most talked about game plan for the Eagles is Dallas Goddard's involvement. Mm-hmm. And if Dallas Goddard is like the guy who everybody's betting over, over, over on, it's somebody can't get overs because I also think Jalen Hurts goes under his total yeah. passing yards. I like so Kelsey. AJ Brown at a big number feels good. I like Kelsey at plus one forty because he also has the highest total of all the props. He should for the game. be the favorite. The yeah. question is plus one forty. Is that uh, does that make it? The, the, the it almost feels like you're fading injury if you're betting yeah. Kelsey, right? Like who else could it? I mean, I guess there could be somebody who has like an eighty-five yard touchdown catch somehow. Eighty-six yards in seventeen playoff games. That's, yeah. 
He could go down as the greatest. I'll be honest. To me, though, Kelsey is a guy, and I think we talked about this uh, on the Wednesday pod. Yeah, the catches I like more than the yardage. Mm -hmm. Because the yardage is inflated. Kelsey, it's a lot. Sometimes it's like quick screen passes, Mm -hmm. dinks and dunks, whatever. He, they're letting him get his hands on the ball and see what he can do. Twenty-one catches in two playoff games. That's insane. Yeah. And what's it? It's his total six and a half. Yeah. Seven, or you can pay seven, seven and a half. Seven and, and a half in some books. Yeah. I, and the seven and a half is like a much better va- mm-hmm. like uh, well, the, payout. Well, the reason why I love the six and a half, and I gave this out at pregame.com, is because in the game, in the AFC Championship game, when he was supposedly hurt, potentially yeah. not playing, yeah, because of the back injury, he had seven catches. Yeah. Now he's healthy. Yeah. He had 14 catches against the Jaguars. <laughs> it's crazy. You tell me he's not going to get eight, yeah. nine? All right. Leading rusher for the game. Miles Sanders is your favorite at plus 150. Isaiah Pacheco next at plus 210. Jalen Hurts is plus 220. This is tough for me because if you think the Chiefs are going to win this game, and I do, at some point the Eagles are going to have to stop like handing the ball off. Mm-hmm. But also, Jalen Hurts could take off and run yeah. if they're trailing, you know? Think about those situations. Final possession of the game, they're, you know, uh, Chiefs are dropping back in coverage, and Hurts just runs for chunks. And as good as Pacheco's been, one thing I know about the Chiefs is, whatever the score is, they're not going to sit on the football. They, no. They're not going to just like, oh, let's just run the ball and run clock. That's not how they operate. So it's it's got to be one of the Eagles players, in my opinion. Uh, I, I tend to lean. It feels maybe there's more value on Jalen Hurts at those numbers. Uh, Plus two twenty, but it's probably going to be Miles Sanders. I, I would agree with that. And by the way, Kelsey is the favorite to have the most receptions in the game, minus one twenty five, to have the most receptions, not yardage, most receptions. That I actually like quite a bit. And minus one twenty five yeah. to have the most receptions. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's probably gonna get like eight or nine catches. Like who's gonna get? If he gets eight or nine catches, what I think is like 50-50, probably. Yeah. Who's going to get nine catches on the no Eagles? One. Dallas Goddard's the only guy who yeah. could be an option, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Dallas Goddard, to have the most receptions, plus 550. Yeah. Is he the second, second favorite? No. It's Travis Kelsey, minus 125, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown, plus 450, and then yeah. Goddard, they plus could, 550. They could hit like a bomb or something. So I th- yeah. I think catches is probably the way to go if you want to bet that. This is a fun one. Okay, and it's a, I see it at DraftKings. It's not available probably anywhere else. It's just one of these fun novelty Super Bowl special props. Fastest ball carrier. <laughs> Which player will clock, according, this? according to NFL Next Gen Stats, who will clock the fastest cool. time? Isaiah Pacheco is the favorite at plus 400. The problem is they've got to, like, get going. Yeah. It's got to be like a 20-yard run, right? Because yeah. how do you pick up speed? Uh, unless, I guess, you can pick up speed in a five-yard run. I don't know. I, I bet, don't know he's, I bet he is the fastest. Like, he has the fastest clock time, so they make him the favorite. Yeah. But he likely, like, 50% of the time doesn't run very fast in this game, like, at all, ever. Because you don't get that opportunity as a running back. But wide receivers, every play, they're going to run top close to the top speed. So, let's see. This year, the fastest players in the NFL, um, Paris Campbell. From the Colts in Week 18, 22.11 miles per hour. Kenneth Walker. I knew Kenneth Walker had some some fast 22.09 in Week Seven. Brees Brees Hall of the Jets in Week Seven. 21. But he can't do that right now. Now there's no players in the top 10 of speed this year on the Chiefs or the Eagles. I'd have to go and look through past the uh, the top 10, but that's what we've seen so far. 
That's crazy, right? Yeah, I, I, that's a it's a wild prop. It's certainly interesting. I, I don't know that I'd have a good feel for it because I think you do have to take into account. No, like, there's you, no feel for it. It's just it's just it's, it's fun. A fun one. It's fun. You're not doing it. You're not doing okay. This. So you betting it? You betting the fun one? No, no one's betting this. <laughs> well, then why is it fun? It's only fun if you can bet it. What do you, all right, you know, listen. I'm gonna drive to Arizona today. And I'm going to place a bet on Pacheco to be the fastest ball carrier. You're going to take the favorite? <laughs> Fucking square. Fine. Kadarius, Kadarius Tony plus Kadarius Tony's got a bum leg. <laughs> Sky Moore plus 700. Okay, now, now we're talking. Moore. Kenneth Gainwell plus 1,200. Gainwell's going to run. Again, it, it, like you, it's crazy because if you bet Sky Moore, Sky Moore might never touch the ball once in the Super yeah, Bowl. Exactly. That doesn't, does it, it doesn't say you have to, oh, it says ball carry, right? Not just fastest player? Okay. Yeah. yeah well, like they, 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 whoever's yeah. clocked the fastest yeah. during the game. In that, in that case, give me one of those punt gunners. <laughs> I mean, that might field. be the, the best case or the, a punt returner. <laughs> yeah. Although there's not going to be a lot of punts, I don't think. So, yeah. And that that's another prop that I looked at uh, based off our pod was the under punt. If, man, it, like – the idea that there could be eight punts in this game, like I said on the pod, if there's eight punts in this game, everything I believe is going to happen in this game is totally different. Like, it's not what I thought this game was going to be at all. You got to play some under under parlay cards, my man, Scott. You can't just play all overs. Like, sometimes it's exactly the opposite of what you think. You know, you got to be diversified, I think, if you're, if you're doing that. Here's a good plus money. Will any punt result in a touchback? The yes is plus 140. The no is minus 175. And the no kind of lends to the idea that there's going to be a, not a lot of punts. Yeah. Also leans to if you're close enough to punt the ball into the end zone. They're going for it. You're not going to be punting. Yeah. Well, so, I'm, I'm not going to play. The, I actually might play the under in punts because I'm on the over in fourth down conversions. Yeah, I like that prop quite a bit, too. Tell, what, tell, talk about that one. Over one and a half fourth down conversions, minus 160. Uh, it's my favorite better. That's game. still the available number? Yep. Man, it's my favorite bet of the game. Yeah, that's a good bet. I, I like, and that's at DraftKings. Yep. Well, I might have to drive across the bridge too. It feels like I'm uh, going later today. I have let's, a buddy who's let's, been let's putting go. in some DraftKings bets for me, so that's well, been nice. Let's give him my login, so I don't have to drive. <laughs> Save the gas money. But uh, this is a that that prop makes a lot of sense because I do think it's like it, there's going to be much more aggression uh, than you'll you'll see in a typical game, and the Eagles are aggressive to begin with. So. Not just that. You, and, and, and Fez brought this up. You also have the idea of the team losing at the end of the game. Yep. That's going to have to go for it on a fourth down. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I like that bet actually quite a bit. All right, so. Rams-Patriots, 10-3. Sometimes it happens. Some, sometimes <laughs> it be like that. All right, well, that will do it for our Super Bowl coverage, and we'll be back here on Monday, and either we'll be really right or really wrong. Uh, listen I, to the dream preview. Yeah, they, I mean, listen, Eagles fans hated us on Twitter.com today. Oh, we were getting paid by the sports books to get cheap yeah, money. This is you a, didn't know that? This is a scam. Did I, tell I didn't <laughs> tell you guys that. I, I, I've been taking money from the sports books. <laughs> yeah, to, make, to convince people to, to convince bet the Chiefs. To convince people to bet the Chiefs, yeah. Yeah, like, and, the, and it was only Eagles fans, and, and they're like, you guys are so biased. And I was like, none of us in the room are Chiefs fans. You had, like, you're talking, uh, that one guy, his bio or his his pinned tweet was like, if the Eagles win, I'm getting an Eagles tattooed, <laughs> an Eagles logo tattooed on my belly like Tupac's thug life. Like, Way of life. I, I promise you, a guy who's even contemplating getting an <laughs> Eagles tattoo is much more biased about this game than I am. I don't. Cash rules everything around. Outside of wanting my bets to cash, I could care less who wins this game. I, I really couldn't. I, I Like, it's. I don't have a dog in the fight at all outside of what I believe is going to happen, thus my financial interest. But I don't I don't prefer so the Chiefs the to the Eagles. Eagles. 
the Chiefs have a bad rushing defense, not really this year, but historically. Maybe they just never punt and they never get stopped and they just have four three-yard runs in a row every single time. I don't think that's going to happen, though. It's possible. Like, I, I, you can also – and Andy somebody said this – a bit of a coach. Somebody you know? said this – They're going to uh, have to beat them with a diversified attack, and I think the Chiefs are better at that. Somebody said the Eagles added a lot – because Mahomes did shred this, uh, this defense last year. And I was like, well, it's the same D.C. This is the same guy getting shredded. Like, has he figured it out? And someone's like, they they did add some personnel defense, and they did. He's right. Like, they, the the Eagles' defensive personnel is better, but is Gannon's defense? Has he figured at the end of the day? Like, it's nice having good players. If Gannon hasn't figured out how to stop Patrick Mahomes, and again, then it boils down to who do I trust more for a game plan, Jonathan Gannon or Andy Reid? Andy Reid. I trust Andy Reid. Uh, and that, that's really what it boils down to for me. I, and I, I, I've said this a few times, and I've said it since the day the lines came out. I don't want to be the person who wakes up on Monday morning and said, man, I should have I taken the points with the best quarterback in the world. Like, it's just it's such a crazy thing to me. It's and, like betting the Bengals when they were facing Joe Montana it, back it, in the day. And it was like a one-point line. In hindsight – you wanted to bet on the better quarterback. Of course you do. And let's think about, I mean, when when did the shift happen that the Eagles became a better team than, than the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Because it was like weeks one through six, yeah. it was consensus the Bills are the best team in football. About week seven, it was the Chiefs, or, well, maybe seven and eight, it was like Chiefs and Bills are equal. Yeah, yeah. Week eight, nine on, it's been the Chiefs are the best team in football. Now, the Super Bowl, nothing's changed for the Chiefs. They're, they're healthier now than they were two weeks ago. And, the and argument, it's like, nah, The argument wasn't underdogs. like Chiefs or, or Eagles. It was Chiefs or Bills yeah. all season. And, and then eventually, it, yeah. like, remember, oh, oh, I guess it was like right the week before the playoffs, the 49ers' odds were right. better than the Eagles. Like, the 49ers were better than the Eagles at that point. I mean, the Eagles were, like, right in that mix. They were just, like, the team below. But they had two blowout. I mean, this is why it happened. They had two blowout wins in the playoffs, and the market's going to respond to that. I don't know. I already told you I don't think the Giants were very good. And the 49ers weren't very good that day. I mean, they didn't have anybody. They didn't have a quarterback. So, I mean, it was two easy games. So, I don't put a lot of stock in either of those games. But that doesn't mean they didn't have a great season and they're not a really good team. Listen, I hope. They're a top five team. I hope it's a good game. And I hope if the Eagles win, they win by one point. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it I, I really the hope best that doesn't happen. Win. I decided to bet money line. I was like, plus one and a half. Oh, Fez tried to warn you. Oh, you did it before, huh? I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, all right. So again, we'll we'll be here on Monday to either eat crow and the Eagles fans will be telling us how stupid we are, or we'll never hear from those Eagles fans again. <laughs> that's that's the way it tends to work. The NBA trade deadline came and went yesterday, and there was no deal that was going to be made at the deadline yesterday that was going to top the Kevin Durant news. That was obviously the biggest trade of this deadline, bigger than Kyrie Irving, bigger than Russell Westbrook. Kevin Durant to the Suns had the biggest impact on the NBA title odds as the Suns are now the second favorite to win the NBA title. But McKenzie, what other team has seen a jump now in their NBA <laughs> title odds after the trade deadline? Mavericks go from 33 to 1 a week ago to 14 to 1 by our consensus odds. I think trade deadline day is about who didn't do anything. The Clippers, they've been 7-1 to one pretty much the entire preseason, the entire season. Even last week they were 10-1, to 14-1. They're just not impressed with the deals that they've made. Uh, same thing with the Lakers. They were kind of hovering. Now they're 100-1, to one, you can get them. So, uh, is that weird to you, the Lakers? It feels like, I mean, we talked yesterday's show. 
Feels like the Lakers improved, if nothing else. Like, you'd think the Lakers' odds would have been slightly better today than they were three days ago. And that's what I was talking about, opportunity cost. They have two picks that, like, in 2029, it's assumed that LeBron James is not going to be very good or on the Lakers. Uh, But he he could surprise people. But that's a good pick. And they didn't, you know, they didn't end up with anything other than, you know, role players. But – you have DeMar- to. DeMar DeRozan was mentioned. Dame Lillard has not mentioned in the past. Like they just didn't do. They enough, didn't do enough. Know? But we we have to they're, admit they're about like a twenty percent chance to make the playoffs. I guess we. I don't know. Maybe it's. You're right. Maybe like there was pe- people were expecting that they'd do something more than they did. But the idea that their roster is better now than it was a week ago, and their odds are longer. That, that it is, is yeah. They were fifty to one, and I, I actually misspoke when I said they were hundred one. The sixty to one is our consensus, but. They were 50-1 to one last week. They were 40-1 to one two weeks ago. What about the Knicks, who I see went from 200-1 to one to 100-1? to one. Their odds actually got cut in half. It seemed like the only move they made was the Josh Hart move, but could this also have to do with, I guess, the division getting easier? Yeah, definitely. They're going to play the Nets again, and the Raptors, also a team that seems to be in sell mode. Um, also, they just won two games, and, like, honestly, the only, only thing that they're pricing is their odds to make the playoffs, and then... Like, people getting struck by lightning after that. They're not going to be good enough, talent-wise, to win the NBA championship. But they have, like, a 55% chance to make the playoffs. They win a couple games. They're going to have an easier game against the Nets and the Raptors. Now they have, like, a 60% chance. And that's the bump. Right there with 100-to-1 is the Sacramento Kings, who no big deal has been made. But the Kings are, like, what, the three seed if the playoffs started today? Uh, 100-to-1 seems like really good value. They went from 66-to-1 earlier in the week. They won two road games. Didn't make a deal at the deadline, but they're like, yeah, you guys winning those two road games, you're dead. Welcome to the NBA season. It's not <laughs> the Super Bowl. It's not, oh, the Jaguars could get hot. It never happens. It doesn't sometimes, rarely, a team comes out of nowhere. No team, the Kings will not win the championship. No team below 10 on this list. Cavs are, they're the, the Heat will not win the championship. The Pelicans, no. It so never Celtic, happens. The favorites win. One Celtics, of the Suns, win. Bucks, Nuggets, Clippers, Sixers, Mavericks, Warriors, Grizzlies, Cavs. That's your pool. Yes. I would, I it's would, more open than usual. I, I, would, I would cut the Cavs out, and I'd probably cut the Grizzlies out. Why would you cut my Cavs and my Grizzlies out? <laughs> That's yeah. like his two beloved teams. Yeah. Like not good enough. I'd probably cool. cut them out. And to be honest with you, I'd cut the Sixers out, and I'd cut the Clippers out. I think the NBA title comes from Celtics, Suns, Bucks, Nuggets, Mavericks, Warriors. You, you not, not a believer in the Sixers. Not a believer James in Harden the Sixers. 2010, pretty quiet. I will, bet against every, I will bet against every James Harden team. Yeah, I think has, hasn't hasn't been a bad strategy. It's the play. Bucks. The Bucks or Celtics are coming out of the East, and then in the West, it's Suns, Nuggets, Mavericks, Warriors. To me, it would shock. Honestly, it would shock me if it's the Nuggets too. The Celtics get a tick up, and they got Mike Muscala plus three twenty five. They're clearly the best team in the regular season, but how much is I that? guess the path is pretty easy. I was going to say, n- now that you yeah. see the, the Nets are out of the picture, it makes everything a little bit easier and for every people team. People are higher on the Bucks than I am. They've had pretty much the same team, and they've just gotten worse Jay Crowder. every season. You know, they're just they're being figured out, in my opinion. And they actually said on the broadcast in the Lakers, because they were down in the first quarter, he's like, yep, you know, don't really pay attention to the opponent. But Coach Bud said this. We do our thing on offense. We do our thing on defense. I think that's you get diminishing returns with that. So the Celtics are really are the last. I mean, they win by default in the East because I don't really see another team. The Sixers, they have their problems. Yeah, I think it boils down to the the Nets falling off because a, a week ago there were three teams with better than ten to one odds: uh, Celtics, Bucks, and the the uh, the Nets. And now you take one out. I think the Celtics and the 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 Bucks just automatically tick up a little bit. Yeah, they're. Gonna be- 
Celtics make the finals, and Suns make the finals. That's your the that's two your, favorites. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Here's your NBA expertise: the favorite, Damn, man. and then the other favorite. This is why. Not me. I'm going with Cavs Warriors, baby. This is why okay. I talk about this okay. every year the before the season starts. There's only five teams that can win the NBA Finals every single season. It's a. It's Isn't just, it great? It's it's. I it, like it. The league has the least amount of parity ever. And you you could say, okay, maybe there's a new team that pops up, but that new team that pops up is never like a one and done. It's they're 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 gonna continue to be a contender for several years. The Bucks. The Bucks rise up and win a title. It's not a fluke. They're amongst the favorites now every single year. The Suns amongst the favorites now every single year. There's no parity in the NBA. You don't win the NBA finals unless you're a top three seed in your conference. And again, you can pick the five teams before the season starts, and those are the five teams it, well, that have a chance to win. Interesting you say that. The five teams favored preseason. The Warriors were the favorites at plus 450. I still think they're alive. Nets were plus 600, the second Comple- favorites. Completely different team. Doesn't You have to cancel them out. The Celtics plus – but what, you can't – I mean, you could, at, the, at the beginning of the year, there were five teams. They would have been one of the five teams, right? Correct. Plus 650, the Celtics. I think that's still mm-hmm. certainly the case. Uh, Clippers plus 700. And Bucks plus seven fifty. Those were your five and, favorites. Yeah, and I would, Suns, eight, Suns eight hundred. So it was yeah, close. And I would yeah. flip flop like the Nets get eliminated and the Suns get put into that mix because of Durant. So okay. that that's the move. That's the switch that I would make. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. I, I I mean I think. But doesn't it allow us to like follow these arcs? Like yeah, you're right. Every time a team pops up, like that's their origin story. Like the Celtics, they're going to be a favorite every year because they were pretty good and then they got better. Now they have playoff experience. Yeah. You build up on that. They, it's I, I want to see the better players playing later in the year. It's more interesting. But honestly, the, and this is why I really hope the Kings make some noise. There, listen, there's been one fluke. There's been one outlier, and it was the COVID year, so I don't even count it. I don't count the bubble. Sorry, LeBron. But the Miami Heat making the NBA Finals. Yeah. That's the one outlier in the past. I don't, I don't – you go back forever. Every team that has been in the NBA Finals has been a part of a – a run of a few years where they were amongst the title favorites going into the season. Well, I mean, yeah, but the Suns like weren't a title favorite, then they were a lot better than people think. Like maybe the but, Kings, but, could do. Now, but the that Warriors was the were twenty five to one. That yeah. was the beginning, and exactly. now they have become a perennial favorite. Same thing yeah. with the Bucks. The Bucks rose up, got to the NBA Finals. Now they are a consistent uh, team that is going to be a contender. Would, would you can, would you say the Clippers are that? Because I think you can argue the last three or four years the Clippers have supposed to have been a contender, but they're not. They made a, they made a conference finals for the first time in their history. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but we still consider them amongst one of the teams that have the best chance to do it. Oh, Kawhi looks pretty good. It is all about it's about talent. It's like if you've got good players. I mean, yeah, it, we can see be, it. Uh, they're going to meet seven times, and you know, generally the better player four four out of those seven times is going to walk away advancing. That's why even like, the Raptors were like the one seed for like three years, right? <laughs> you know, and they finally won one. But that's they won one. To me, that's what it all boils down, and that's why I think maybe the Lakers are a little bit undervalued now. I mean, because obviously they've got to make the playoffs, which is a, you know that's something. But right now, you can get the La- the Lakers at better odds to win the title than the Kings, who I said I just said are the three seed in the West, because it, it, once it boils down to it, if you get into the playoffs. If you've got LeBron in a playoff series, you feel like you can win it. Yeah. If for, you're for the Kings, it's like, uh, maybe probably not. Lakers have a 38% chance to make the playoffs, actually. Okay. Well, that's not bad. It'll be fun. Make it. If for a 60-1 to one and you get to the playoffs with 
LeBron and AD, I don't, I don't know. Maybe worth a shot. And I feel, like I said, their roster is better than it was a week ago, certainly. Not as good as it could have been, apparently, but it's better than it was. I, I don't know. I, I, AD I, doesn't look like AD anymore, though. Unfortunately, against the Bucks tonight, it's just like it's a different person. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he gets it back. I, mean, I was a fan, of, I was a huge fan of his, but yeah, I don't know. I, and I, th- I think me trying to be hopeful that there's some outsider with a chance to win is probably stupid it, because I was the same one last year when the Nets stunk. I was just saying, why aren't we just saying the Nets stink? I don't know why I'm just not saying the Lakers stink because they do stink. <laughs> like it's the same thing. I guess the difference is you can get the Lakers at sixty to one, and this time last year the Nets were like three to one, even though they were the ten, <laughs> the ten seed. It's like how the hell is that possible? Is it going to be difficult to handicap games for tonight because we don't know about the traded players that are going to be playing for their new teams? Yeah, and it's going to present opportunity. Uh, you know, it's a game by game basis. Something you can you can follow. It will it will be reported before it's fully. Baked into the line. Well, the line, cert- like right now, Phoenix minus one at Indiana. That line says KD's not playing tonight. Absolutely. That's exactly what it says. So, I mean, it's you can you can pretty much tell based on what numbers up if these star players are going to be on the floor. And when in, is in that case, supposed to come back not. anyway? I think, I think he got a positive report. Says he was oh, really yeah. good. You know. It, yeah. After the All Star break, you're right. So that's it, what it's it, after the All Star break. Yeah. Okay. So not going to be not going to be not going to be a long delay. And I, I guess the lo- yeah. the one that's questionable is Sacramento. Sacramento minus one and a half hosting Dallas. I mean, are we to assume there's no Luca in that line? Would would Dallas be favored over Sacramento on the road if two, they had Luca? Two and a half an hour ago, and I was looking at it. I think uh, I think that says Kyrie's playing and Luca is not. And I kind of like the Mavericks there. You do like the Mavericks? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, the Kings. Wh- the Kings. Um, they're a good story, and they're going to make the playoffs. They got. The fact that they got the most ridiculous call of the season last game, that's not good. It's never good. You could probably fade that. That's, that's, a, that's a trend. If you can query it, I'm sure it's a 60% trend. When you get the most ridiculous call in the history of the NBA to win a game when you're down by two with one second to go after you just got a bad call, uh, it's going to be a tight whistle for, uh, for Sacktown. That makes sense. Eric Gordon got traded after that play. That was his last play as a Houston Rocket. <laughs> How about that? What a, what a way to go out. Right? For Eric Gordon. All right, let's look at the the lines on the games tonight. Uh, and Mac, as always, just jump in if you've got a nugget. Oh, we've got a gr- what a matchup! Spurs at Pistons. <laughs> that's that's for all not all the marbles, but for all the ping pong balls. Spurs plus three at Detroit. I got a feeling Spurs. I don't think they're coming within three. It's funny to conceive of a team as bad as the Pistons being better than another team, but we found an instance where that is the case. Yeah, the Knicks plus five and a half at the Sixers. I just mentioned the Suns uh, minus one and a half at the Pacers, which you know indicates that their team, I don't know who they're going to have on the floor, to be honest. Celtics without Jalen Brown, we presume, right? Like uh, uh, Still minus 11 against the Hornets, who did we mention the Hornets? Their number to win the title, I think, is, is noteworthy. They are 10,000 to one. How's that possible? I guess they, they're not eliminated, so you've got to put a number out. I guess sports books have to do that. But, um, yeah, they're not, they're not they that much. They don't have to, do they? Like, they don't have to put yes, no's up. It feels like. No, I don't think it's like some legal thing, but if I'm, a, if I'm, in Char- if I'm from Charlotte for some reason and I'm in Vegas, I'm going to bet on the Hornets maybe without even thinking about it. Some business guy, I don't know. So they leave those odds up unless they're eliminated because then it's illegal. Uh, Jazz plus eight at the Raptors. Timberwolves plus nine at the Grizzlies. 
Rockets coming off the the most insane call in NBA history, according to McKenzie. They're getting 11 tonight at Miami. And then, like I said, the uh, the Mavericks plus one and a half at the Kings. Thunder plus four at Portland. And the Cavs minus two and a half at the Pelicans. Last one's a good one. Bucks plus a point and a half at the Clippers. Rematch of a game we saw where the Clippers blew a 20-point lead in the second half. They've done that a couple times. So we won in overtime against the Knicks cash for me. But uh, that's a big problem. And when you don't have a point guard, they weren't able to address that in the trade deadline. Late in games, it's hard to make the it's hard to make the right decision every time down the field. Hockey last night, tough loss for uh, one of my favorite bets, which was the Islanders in regulation over the Canucks. Had a 4-2 lead late in the second period, and it all went bye-bye. As Ilya Sorokin, who came into the game on back-to-back shutouts, when he allowed a goal in the first period of this game, it snapped a streak of 145 consecutive minutes without allowing a goal. He goes on to allow a career-high six goals. <laughs> his worst performance, literally, his no. goal, the worst performance of his career after going two-plus games without allowing a single goal Gives up the most in his career as the Islanders fall 6-5. Is that good for your bet or bad for your bet? Very, very bad for my (laughs) bet. Uh, Bo Horvat, though, did score against his former team. I had the over in his shots. He did get over his shots. I wish I would have played the plus money on his anytime goal scoring because my handicap on why he would have over two and a half shots is because he's playing against his former team. And also... He had a goal disallowed in this game. So he actually scored two goals. One of them just didn't count. So that actually would have been another shot on goal that got taken off the board. Tonight, uh, an interesting game in New York. Rangers hosting the Kraken. New York made a big splash yesterday, uh, a pre-NHL trade deadline uh, deal, as the Rangers acquired Vladimir Tarasenko from the Blues. This is an incredible move for the Rangers. Tarasenko is 31 years old. He's been in the league forever, so everyone thinks he's, like, old because... So when you say 31 years old, are you saying that as a positive thing or a negative thing? I'm saying he still has tread left on the tires. So he's in the the final year of his eight-year contract, but, like... Yes, guy's been in the league for a long time. Kids come into the league very, very young nowadays, right? When you're a star, especially an international star, you come in at a young age. So he's been in the league for a while, but he's still young enough that he's got some tread on the tires. Like I said, he's going to be good for a couple of years left in him. So the Rangers get Tarasenko. It's a huge boost to their offense, and this is a team that was already good offensively. I think the Rangers, according to all reports, Tarasenko is playing tonight. I expect the Rangers to play really well against the Seattle Kraken tonight. Rangers are minus 178. The Maple Leafs are heavy favorites on the road at the Blue Jackets, minus 250. The Blackhawks host the Coyotes, Arizona, minus 115 on the road. And the Penguins, heavily favored on the road in Anaheim, minus 250, taking on the Ducks. All right, taking a look at college basketball. Last night, Purdue got back on track after their uh, their loss last week against Indiana. Handle business against Iowa. Made a good little comeback, made it a close game, and then Purdue pulled away once again. 87-73 was your final. UCLA handles their business 62-47 over Oregon State. Gonzaga coming off that St. Mary's loss. 
They win 99-81 against San Francisco, blowout fashion. On the other side of that, St. Mary's loser outright as eight-point dogs in overtime. Loyola Marymount, 78, St. Mary's, 74. Loyola Marymount didn't make a two-point field goal for the first 24 minutes and 24 seconds of the game. That's not good. And somehow trailed by three when it happened. This was a, I bet this game, Loyola plus eight, and it was about as sickening of a roller coaster ride as you could be on. (laughs) Well, especially when they go into overtime because that's where underdogs go to die. Well, they started out down 16 nothing, which isn't great. Then they took a lead, and then it got to the point where I was like, how am I going to blow this? And Scott said, there's no way. (laughs) There's no way. We're talking on our group text. There's no way they can blow it. I was right. Next thing you know, they go to overtime, and I said, oh, boy, here they go. But Loyola gets the job done, gets an outright win, 78-74. And Arizona, an 85-62 domination over the Cal Golden Bears. Only one game in top 25 action going on tonight, and it's not pretty. Uh, X going to give it to Butler. Uh, Xavier, minus 6.5 at Butler, who stinks loses most of their Big East games by 20 points. Again, trying not to play the road favorites, but Mm. I certainly am not looking to back the home team here. So no system plays tonight. However, I did a college basketball podcast with Griffin Warner last night. You can hear that on RJ Bell's Dream Preview uh, podcast feed. We go over some of the biggest games every week, and I think there's a couple system plays coming up on Saturday. One of them is probably very dependent on health. Mm. But I think given my projected numbers, I think that there might be two games. Okay, can I guess them? Sure. All right. I'm going to say the first system play potentially could be Michigan at home against number 18, Indiana. I would expect Michigan to be a dog. Okay, so I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Although they, I mean, it's nice an, way to say it. it yeah, that it, it, it could be like plus two, okay. plus one. I okay. think it'll be okay. close. Here we go. Number seventeen TCU at home against number fourteen Baylor. Yes, I project this game at TCU minus one. However, Mike Miles, who's TCU's best player, his status is up in the air. If he doesn't play, Baylor's favored. If he does play, TCU will be favored, and it'll be a system play. I'll give you another system play possibility. Illinois at home against number 24, Rutgers. No. No. Illinois Illinois favored. Illinois will be favored, I'm saying. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a system Is play. It, Illinois not ranked anymore, Illinois huh? not ranked. Then that, yes, I, there's three system plays, and I, I, I overlooked that one. I okay, apologize. that's a system yes. play. Illinois is unranked. Rutgers is number 24. Illinois will be favored, and that's a system play that I will back. Okay. okay. Well, Illinois is eleven and two at home. It says. Yeah. All right. The other system play I'm gonna say is, ooh, this is tough. This is tough. I'm gonna go with number twenty three Creighton favored at home against number twenty one UConn. Correct. I'm projecting Creighton minus two, and that will be another system play that I like. Sick. System like removed from the actual system itself, just from a handicapping standpoint. I like that as well. So uh, some strong system looks coming up this weekend, boys. Can't wait. Before we get out of here, I I did want to mention that the World Baseball Classic, the odds for the, uh, well, 
the rosters were unveiled yesterday. And so we have updates to the odds to win the World Baseball Classic. The Dominican Republic is the favorite. They're plus 200. The United States is the second favorite at plus 225. Japan is next at plus 280. Beyond those top three, you have Puerto Rico at plus 850. No one else beyond those four teams has a chance to win, in my opinion. I would even cancel out Puerto Rico and just make it between the top three teams. Dominican Republic plus 200, USA plus 225, and Japan plus 280. Listen to this lineup for the Dominican Republic. Julio Rodriguez. Good player. Juan Soto. Good player. Manny Machado. 19 years old, I've heard also. Juan Soto. Manny Machado. Good player. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Oh, my God. Jose Ramirez. Rafael Devers. Teoscar Hernandez. Gary Sanchez. Jeremy Pena. With a pitching staff. Gary Sanchez? That's the best they could do, huh? Yeah. Gary Sanchez is a power-hitting catcher, and he's your ninth hitter. All right. And if you don't, and, and you could also put uh, Starling Marte in the lineup if you wanted to. Uh, their pitching staff, Sandy Alcantara, Christian Javier, Luis Castillo, Useful. Framber Valdez, guys out of the bullpen like Hector Neris, Gregory Soto, Rafael Montero, Diego Castillo. This is, is it this, the greatest national team of all time? I, I, honestly, if this team was a Major League Baseball team, they win 130 games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Literally. Like, this this is the record for the most wins in Major League Baseball. I, I'd love to just look up the salaries of the, the guys that are— the ever assembled. I mean, I guess there's all-star teams, but those aren't real teams. They don't play— this, this, this team is absolutely absurd. They're the rightful favorites. Now, I will say this. The American team is not bad, and their pitching staff is going to give them a chance to win games. And honestly, I, I like their lineup as well. So listen to the American roster. Pete Alonso, Tim Anderson, Nolan Arenado, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt, JT Realmuto, Kyle Schwarber, Will Smith, Mike Trout, Kyle Tucker, Trey Turner, Bobby Witt Jr., Jeff McNeil, Cedric Mullins, Kyle Higashioka. That's a very, very, very good roster. And then your pitching staff is Clayton Kershaw, Merrill Kelly, Nestor Cortez, Miles Michaelis, Lance Lynn, Adam Wainwright. These are this is these are all star teams. This is a very good surprised Aaron Judge not on the roster. You know maybe he just declined and said no. But this is I'm a, guessing they would have offered him. Of course they did, but he probably said no. Players do decline. Uh, but that the United States has a very good team. Honestly, if for me, I'm betting on the Dominican Republic plus two hundred. I'll be playing the U.S. in a bunch of these games. I can't wait for this tournament and. It's to me, it's going to be a matchup between the previous two champions. The United States won the last World Baseball Classic in 2017. The Dominican Republic won the World Baseball Classic before that in 2013. These are your top two teams that will likely be facing off in the championship. UFC 284 this weekend in Australia. And there's an Aussie in the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight champion of the world trying to become Alex Two Belts as he fights Islam Mahashev for the 155-pound title. And the odds are uh, wide. Mahashev minus 400, Volkanovsky plus 310. I'll start by saying Mahashev's a rightful favorite. He's a, he's the, there's a reason why there's weight classes in MMA. 
All right. And being Volkanovsky's not big for a featherweight. He's a smallish 145. So going up to fight at 155, I don't know how it looks. That said, he I trust his cardio and pace even more at a higher weight class. And his striking advantages over Mahashev are just massive. And he is I think his his striking the edge is just so so gigantic that I can't get to a point where I'm like, yeah, minus four hundred makes sense. Mahashev's a great wrestler, uh, but Volkanovski might be the smartest fighter in the world, and I, I think he's going to be prepared for every situation. Obviously, there, there's a chance he ends up on bottom, and there it may be one takedown per round, something like that. It gets iffy there. He's got solid takedown defense. He hasn't fought a wrestler quite of this caliber in his run as the uh, the featherweight champion, but he has dominated bigger guys. You're talking uh, about Islam, right? No, I'm talking about Alex Volkanovsky has dominated bigger guys at featherweight, including Max Holloway. He made Max Holloway look like he didn't even belong in the UFC the last time they fought. It was one of the most impressive performances against a high-level guy ever. Uh, And at better than three to one, I don't know that there's anyone I could trust more than Volkanovski to game plan the size disadvantage out of a matchup. I don't have a lot of confidence that Volk can win, like that he's going to win this fight. But if you say he's just got to win it one out of every three times, I think he does that. Uh, Volkanovski hasn't lost since May of 2013. Exactly. He's and he's 12, plus 310. He's 12 and 1 in his career. And by the way, Mahashev, early in his career, there's a loss on his record, got absolutely starched. Now, he's a much better fighter now than he was then, too. But Volkanovsky's got the kind of stand up that's going to give him some trouble. Mahashev's, his stand up has gotten better. He knocked down Charles Oliveira, who's another real grappling first guy. But his. His striking is basically a means to an end. I'm going to do this until I see an opening and try to take the fight to the ground. 25 and one ish, Tim uh, Volkanovski. Volkanovski's striking is legit. His he's so much more of a well-rounded fighter than Mahashev. I just can't get past plus 310. The value is on Volkanovski. I'm not making like some sort of hammer bet on this, but at plus 310, I'm going to drop a unit on it. Have you ever? Oh, you, you will. Okay, I was going to ask you. Have you ever given out to client your clients? Uh, anything plus three ten or higher? What's the highest you've given out? Um, I, I like I'll take flyers on on uh, on fights pretty regular. Like I, they're I've given props like to fit to win by submission or whatever. They're like plus four hundred, plus five hundred. Uh, so it happens. Like and, and it caches sometimes. Sometimes it caches. You just need to cash one out of five. Right. I know. You know. So this one we need to cash one out of three. That's what I'm on. Volkanovski oh. plus three ten. Overall, pretty solid fight card coming out of Australia this week. If you would like to purchase AJ's UFC package for this Saturday, or uh, I have a prop package up for the Super Bowl. Fezzik's got a prop package up for the Super Bowl. AJ's going to have bets up for the Super Bowl. McKenzie's going to have everything you could possibly think of underneath the sun. Take 20% off on us because we appreciate you, the listeners. So 20% off at pregame.com for anything you'd like to purchase. Use the promo code SUNSHINE20. Sunshine. 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 I don't think you understand. Sunshine is from California. California. Yeah, y'all. California Dreamboat. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sunshine, Sunshine is from California. California. 
Sunshine20 is the <laughs> promo code. Get you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. It is a very exciting weekend. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the halftime show. Enjoy the commercials. But more importantly, let's make money. From Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.